Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hello and welcome to the Women in Menu Podcast. My name is Fran Brunel, and I'm the president of Accelerated Manufacturing Brokers, Inc., and I'm your host for today's show. Today, we're absolutely delighted to have with us Dawn White. Dawn is the founder and the CEO of Parasense, which is based in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Parasense is a company that manufactures sensors to deliver performance and productivity data from legacy manufacturing assets and convert it into actionable intelligence to improve quality and results. Dawn, welcome to the show. Thank you, Fran. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. I know we've got a lot to talk about today. I'd like you to give our audience a history of Parasense. You're basically a startup. You've only been in business a few years. Explain what you do and a little bit of the history of how you were led to start this company. Well, thanks for the opportunity to, to tell folks about all this. So Parasense is really focused on what I would say is sort of democratizing the industrial Internet of Things. We hear an awful lot about the Internet of Things and particularly how that can be used in Industry 4.0 and some of those catchwords that we hear a lot about there. But an awful lot of the solutions that are being provided are very expensive, complicated to install, and not really accessible to small and mid-sized manufacturers who could actually really use the opportunities to understand what's going on in their businesses better that these solutions offer. So Parasense is focused on how can we make Industry 4.0 and the Internet of Things more accessible to small and mid-sized manufacturing businesses, particularly those who operate a fair number of legacy manufacturing systems, right? The ones that are 10, 15 years old and have very little data acquisition or data delivery capability out of the box. So that's where Parasense is coming from and, and how we what we started the company to do. I was interested in this problem because I've worked in all kinds of manufacturing R and D and also own my own manufacturing company building additive manufacturing equipment. So I looked at this problem and thought, well, you know, there's a lot of people here we could could be benefiting from this. And the opportunity to do this inexpensively now has really become mature. For a long time, it was very expensive to get sensors and aggregate them and set that stuff up online and deliver it. But so many things have have gone down in price from sensors to all the data storage and, you know, AWS, Amazon Web Services, it's almost free to store data up there, right? So all these things have made it possible to build solutions that are accessible to even, you know, smaller companies. And that's what we are focused on. Awesome. Can you speak a little bit too? So when you say a legacy machine, are you talking about a a CNC machine that's a little bit older? Or are you actually talking about non-CNC, like really more traditional machine tools? Yeah, I'm talking about everything from your oldest machines to things that are, are quite a bit newer. Basically, a CNC machine that's running a controller that's, say, 10 years old 
it's mm-hmm. it's hard to get data off of that, right? And then if right. things are even older than that, maybe they don't have controllers or are largely, you know, manually operated, you can take data off of those as well. So it's it's a wide a wide swath of of opportunities. And it's not it's not just milling machines and lays and things like that. It's also stamping presses and injection molding machines. All of these systems that, that companies invest in, and then they're going to get 20-plus years of usage out of them in many, in many cases, right? And so when you're looking at these older machines and thinking about, well, how can I understand better what's going on in my shop? How can I acquire data about productivity, about quality, things that are previously a lot harder to get access to can be automated at very low cost by applying retrofit solutions that are available now. And this is what Parasense offers. Mm-hmm. You know, we say, you know, even if you have a bridge port sitting out there that you use once in a while, or maybe you use it every day and it's 40 years old, we can stick one of our sensors on your bridge port and it can tell you what it's doing. When you say it, one of your sensors can tell a manufacturer what their old bridge port is doing, what types of information does this technology retrieve from these older machines? That's a great question. So we supply a little retrofit box, basically, and that box is, sends data up to a cloud database. And within that box, we have a temperature sensor, we have a vibration sensor, and we have the ability to acquire the power consumption data for the machine, right? And mm-hmm. then if people have, you know, it's not just a bridge port, they have maybe some specialty systems that they're using and they want to measure something else. We actually have a little extra port. So if somebody has a special thing they want to measure or they have a, an extra motor they want to track or something like that in the operation they're running, we can add that on as an extra. And then that data gets sent up to a dashboard. And when you look at the temperature data and the power consumption and the vibration data, you don't look at it. We actually look at it and send you something that tells you, hey, the machine's in cycle or the machine's not in cycle. Or maybe, you know, the machine's not in cycle, but somebody left the power on all night long, so it's been drawing power for the last 12 hours and no production was being done. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and then that data is, when we get the data, that data, we can actually look at it. And and if if you've been watching your data for maybe a few weeks or a few months, after a while, we can say, oh, look, this data shows us that, you know, this was a part being made. And then we can take that and say, oh, there's a part and another part and another part and another part. Sometimes we can do that just with the data in the main box. If not, we can also provide an external part counter so that you can have that data. But what this does is it lets you know how your machines are behaving, how much time they spend in cycle. That's the bare minimum, right? How much mm-hmm. time your machines are in cycle. Then you can also do things over a longer period of time. So if you've had a Parasense sensor on your machine for, say, six or seven months, over time, our data analysis team also uses its tools to say, oh, look, the motor on that machine has been, you know, running at the same temperature, plus or minus, you know, five degrees over the, you know, the time that it's operating every day. And it's been very consistently running at a certain temperature or the vibration sensor is measuring very consistent vibrations. And and now we say, gee, over the last three weeks, that motor keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter. 
Oh, Maybe that's interesting. Somebody wants to check that out. <laughs> oh, wow. So this could really be predictive of future right. problems with a machine where right. an owner can take corrective action before the machine breaks down. Absolutely, right? That's same really thing. great. Yeah, if you have Let a me... lot of vibrations, for example, that's another indicator. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't actually have to just be your machines. Every shop has got an air compressor or two, right? And compressors fail as well. And, and you know, the compressor isn't just one machine. That can, you know, give you a Affect headache. with the whole shop. Absolutely, right? So yeah. you, can, you can monitor compressors. It's pretty easy to tell when a compressor is about to fail. So there's a whole, a whole bunch of these things that come along as you engage over time with this kind of technology, right? We don't know if, if your machine's going to fail two days after we install. We're not going to be able to tell you about that. But mm-hmm. if it happens, you know, six months or a year afterwards, we're very likely to be able to tell you ahead of time, oh, something's not right. <laughs> mm, interesting. You know, so you talk about also external part counters. And mm-hmm. for a lot of machines, I don't see an application for that, but in two specific ones I do. And that's in, in stamping and screw machine products. Absolutely. Where the machine is putting out real quantity. I've been in shops where there's been like just giant, a box on a pallet collecting uh, mm-hmm. stamped parts or screw machine parts. So can you both stamping, I heard you say stamping before, but screw machine products, would this work for? An old well, screw machine, brown and sharp? Very, yeah. I can't tell you. I, I, I have not actually worked on the screw machine problem. I can't tell you an answer for sure. On stamping presses, you can definitely do part counting. And there's the other thing you can do, of course, is, and we've been talking to actually a company. They do fine blanking, which is also they're they're producing parts are coming out of there like nobody's business. So in that case, we're able to actually, you know, as long as we know how many blanks they're making out of the die, then you can tell how many times the, the, the thing has dropped and you can absolutely measure the number of part counts. So part counting is one of those things that there's a little different solution for, you need to have five or six different solutions because mm-hmm. different machines require different approaches to it. And so that's another thing we do, right? We go to somebody and say, oh, you've got a screw machine, you know, you're doing fine blanking, you're doing, you know, grinding of multiple rings at a time, and we can adjust a solution and sort of semi-customize it so that even though you need a solution that's not right out of the box, it's not so expensive that it's unaffordable. Our goal is to make everything as much as possible, simple, robust, Mm -hmm. and low cost so that that people get the information they need. But we recognize that that within the manufacturing arena, in particular Power County, you have to have uh, several solutions. And so that's what we do. We come out and we talk to people about what kind of process it is. And then we go and pick one of the three or four solutions that we offer to support them. I want to eventually speak to you about the low cost part, but before we get to that, I'd like you to share with the audience, if you don't mind, some more of the information that a manufacturer can glean from their machines with your technology. You talked about vibration, you talked about heat, you talked about part counting. 
But when people engage your company, what other types of information are they seeking to gather? Well, a large number of them, because so many manufacturing applications are basically, you know, you've got a motor and you're stamping it or you're cutting it or you're broaching it or something like that. Many of these things have a lot of commonalities, which is why you can actually do this, you know, really quite inexpensively by and large. But there are also, you know, machines that are doing some less common things. One that, you know, comes to mind was is, is like welding, for example. So we can monitor welders as well. One of the customers I have had a very high and highly specialized military welding application that had to be absolutely water clear, very thin section, aluminum welds, and they were having trouble with trying to figure out why they were having a lot of well, micro defects. And so finally they were thinking there was too much dust in their shop and we added a particulate counting sensor to their box that we had mm. at their site. And the guy that was in charge of the shop he would literally watch this thing and then go down to the shop whenever the particle count got elevated and tell the guys to close the door in Southern California. So wind was blowing <laughs> dust into the shop and they had the doors open a lot. So he kept track of the amount of defects he had and he used that data to actually convince management to invest in more air-conditioned closed booths so that they wouldn't have you know, it was able to validate that there was a, a business model in closing these booths up and air conditioning them to prevent the dust problem and reduce the defect count. Wow, that's fascinating. So that's so, probably the oddest one we've done. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You know what? You stay in business long enough, you, <laughs> you've yes. got plenty of stories to tell. So yeah. how do you, talk to us a little bit about so a customer has implemented your systems. How do they get the reports? Is this web-based that they log on and can see the data from their machine tools? Mm -hmm. Every customer has their own data portal. And so all they have to do is go to our website, website, log into their data portal, and they can see all their raw data if they want to. Or they can just, you know, look at our we have raw data customers can look at. Then we have sort of a, you know, the, the, an hourly bar that shows you what's going on. Is it in the machines idle or the machines in a cycle? Stuff mm -hmm. like that. And then we have, if people want to identify, say, some Pareto limits, you know, we, you know, we never want to see this vibration get above here or below there. We never want to see a certain temperature variance. We want to stay within a certain temperature limit. We can set that up and do a, uh, you know, just have a phone alert. Hey, you know, your system is out of limits. You should go check it. So mm. there's a bunch of these things. Most of people are looking for one of two things. They're kind of looking for uptime, and they can find that on our customer portal. The other thing is that, you know, that's on the shop floor, right? The The guy in the office is probably looking at things like, how am I doing against last week? Or how is line one doing compared to line two? Or how is you know, the day shift doing against the, the night shift. So mm -hmm. we also provide, you know, all kinds of metrics and uh, specifics on that. So uh, right now your machine's been in 
in cycle 90% of the time today, but this other lathe over here has only been in cycle 35% of the time. That's real-time stuff that's displayed. You can display it on a big TV in the shop if you want. You can just look at it on your computer. Or then there's also, here's your weekly report. How much power did your machines use this week? How many you know hours were these different machines in cycle? How was that versus last week or last quarter? So those things accrue over time. And all of this stuff, when we bring on a new customer, there's they can select some options, right? We give them a set of options that they can select to customize how often they want reports, what kind of reports they want to see, how they want them formatted to meet their particular... Everybody's got a different way of managing their business. They want to see mm-hmm. certain kinds of data in different ways. So we customize all that at the beginning. And it, as you are in the program over a period of time, right, as they're working with us over time, this data really starts to add up and add up and add up, and they can really start to get a lot of insight into the trends in their business. Yeah, I would imagine that seeing data like this over time, you see patterns develop. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. That that are, you get to make business decisions based Mm -hmm. on more accurate data. I would imagine that you've probably got more than one worker in trouble because as he's on a machine making a particular part, (laughs) the owner can see that the productivity is X or the time frame is this. But when Mike goes, on the machine, it takes them doubly as long to produce the same part. Yes, there is some of that. It's definitely the case that it's probably easier to you know look look at over one shift versus another. But it's definitely you can see trends on you know how much usage these things are getting, and especially mm-hmm. when you add part counting, then mm-hmm. it really you know gives you a tremendous amount of of insight into it. I mean, I have one customer who's interested in, in this, this. He uses heat maps to see how, used to use heat maps, right? So one of the guys would walk around the shop, you know, once a day and tick off which machines were in cycle and which ones weren't. And they use that to make a heat map to of usage. It's a job shop, this particular one. Then they would basically use it at the end of the month. They'd say, hmm, you know, maybe we should go send the sales guys out to sell more work on these machines because they were underutilized last month. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Right? But this kind of thing, you can have this data with much greater clarity, right? Because you can tell immediately, like, you know, oh, we really need to go out and sell more business on the lathes. You know, the mills are at at 70% capacity, but we're only at 40% on the, you know, the the lathes. Let's get some business Mm -hmm. going there. So some Mm -hmm. of this stuff is, this is the kind of thing that actually can make your, you know, your business customers very happy, right? If, If they know how to predict who they should be, what they should be trying to sell to, right? Sure. We have a big book of business here. What happened over there? So some of this yeah. stuff is, is, it's a whole range. It's, 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 you know, from the shop floor to the top floor, every part of the business has a dog in this fight. They can, everybody can use this data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speak to a little bit, if some people with older equipment are listening to this, I'm sure they're thinking, hey, my business would be incredibly disrupted if I start adding this technology to my machines. Talk to us about that a little bit. So actually, our goal is to make it incredibly non-disruptive to apply this technology. So in many cases, not in all cases, but in many cases, 
we can install our device on your machine in 15 or 20 minutes without even stopping production. So that's You don't even have to stop the machine? In many cases, you don't. Wow. It depends a little bit, but, but for sure, a lot of lathes and mills, you can just, we, you know, we don't, it doesn't actually like, the trick here is, for example, people spend a lot of money sometimes trying to monitor exactly what a spindle is doing, right? That's very expensive. And you have to stop the machine. You got to figure out how to get some kind of sensor into or, or right onto that very carefully balanced, specialty piece of hardware, right? But what we do is we go and we find some place close to that spindle or someplace close to the spindle motor. And then what you do is you get vibration. They're not as they're not 100% exactly what's happening inside the spindle, but they're very representative of what's happening inside that spindle or inside that motor. And the same mm-hmm. thing, the temperature is not the exact temperature in the spindle of the motor, but it's very close. And, and so you can see the same trends, but you can install this thing at much lower cost and without disrupting production in many cases, because, you know, instead of trying to be right there at ground zero, you're saying, okay, I'm going to be happy with being five feet away from ground zero or not even five feet. Usually it's more like, you know, five inches, right? (laughs) Yep. Yep. And yep. If you're a, a manufacturing research scientist working in a big company lab, I used to be one of those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not what you want. Mm-hmm. But if you're a, a shop owner and what you want to know is, gee, is my machine behaving like it behaved yesterday? Or should I maybe be looking at a maintenance concern? Or gee, is my productivity where I want it to be? You can be five feet away and that's good enough. <laughs> so people could spend a ton of money to get this kind of data. Can you speak a little bit about how your solution might compare to these ultra expensive solutions that really, really large shops use? Yeah, it's absolutely true that many, many of the solutions that are out there for you know industry 4.0 are really targeted at much larger businesses very often at the tier ones and the OEMs right and when you're looking at, at people who are operating tier 2 and tier 3 shops it's a lot of it is way out of their budget Parasense is focused on making like I said democratizing that making it affordable to everybody so our solution it's a little bit dependent on volume if, if you know if you come to me and you say I want 30 devices install it's cheaper than if you want three but our goal is to make our product as affordable as possible. And so we charge for an initial installation, you know, a small one, we charge $1,000 per machine. And that includes everything, your sensors, your devices, setting up your dashboards, installation, and a year of data services. And then for ongoing data services, we charge $1.25 a day for continuing to provide reporting. So again, it doesn't take very much to get to a dollar twenty-five worth of people walking around. <laughs> well, seriously, especially what you're talking about with the heat sensing and how you could actually predict a problem before it happens. I mean, your mm-hmm. your solution almost pays for itself, you know, with saving a machine. Yes, absolutely. Well, and our goal is, you know, we recognize that manufacturing is an incredibly competitive business and we are competing not only against the guy in, in the next state, but you're competing with the guy in Mexico and, and the guy mm-hmm. in China and, and all the rest of it. And so our goal is to really be 
helping our local manufacturers to be able to compete really successfully and you know make great businesses and provide great jobs. And we can only do that if we can make it affordable for them. What's your geographic service area, Dawn? So we're located in southeast Michigan, mm-hmm. and we're primarily serving sort of the Midwest at the moment. That said, our goals are to grow outside of that box, and we're actually starting to engage with some folks in the Tennessee Valley area. So mm-hmm. we're moving outward, and you know we're open to talking to customers in any part of the country about what their needs could be and, and how we could support them. Yeah, there is such a need for what you're doing. I was, before we had our mergers and acquisitions division, I was a machine tool auctioneer. And um, that must have been really fascinating. Yeah, well, it actually led into the M&A work. You know, in auction world, people are, they're exiting because there's some sort of need for speed, sometimes Mm -hmm. a medical condition, but more often than not, they were in financial trouble. But the people who were buying from us were growing, thriving manufacturers who we saw over and over again. They were swapping out their equipment for newer pieces. But anyway, traveling nationally, and helping companies go out of business at that juncture of my career, you see all of these old machine tools that are still functioning and you wonder Mm -hmm. what could have happened if the owner had data to make better decisions. There's just such a need for it. People don't get that most manufacturing in the United States is small companies that have under 20 employees, a good majority of them. 60,000 of them, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. So just curious, any challenges as a startup that you're facing to get yourself to the next level? Are you looking for an investment in your company? The first challenge for us, of course, is getting our name out there. So I just want to give you a big thank you right here for, you know, giving us a platform to talk to people about what we're doing and why it's important and and good for them. But that said, every startup is always (laughs) trying to figure out how they're going to get to the next step and manage the constant tension between growth and, you know, the need to actually be cash cash flow positive, right? Mm -hmm. So Parasense is, is no different than that. So we are actually working with some folks in our area to identify opportunities to generate some investment. And, of course, I always feel like profits are the best investments. So, you know, we're working really hard to expand our sales and and marketing efforts and move forward in a way that is sort of two-tracked, right, not to minimize the need for additional funding and capital, but but also recognizing that we always want to be pushing forward with sales as much as we can. Sure. So as we wrap up, can you please tell our listeners where they should go to learn more about Parasense, its services, and how to reach you? Well, Parasense is www.parasense.io. And you can always go to our website and learn about our products and services and, you know, reach out to us at info at parasense.io, leave a message there, or my email address is dwhite 
D as in Dawn, W-H-I-T-E at parasense.io, and I'd be happy to hear from customers. So we also are on LinkedIn, and we're also on Twitter, and there's every opportunity to take a look at what we do and how we do it, and we'd really, really very much like to hear from people with any questions they have. Wonderful. Dawn, thanks so much for being with us today. We wish you all the best as you grow Parasense. And, and again, we're, I'm just so impressed with what you're doing, and I recognize there's a great need for it in the manufacturing community. Thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Fran. It's been great talking with you. Our pleasure. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.